Hi, this is the podcast channel of Lighthouse Church in Ottawa, Canada. We are a family. We don't do life alone. We are about the one, each and every one. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Our hope and prayer is always for life change. Here is today's message. Be blessed as you listen. Genesis 1, 26 to 28. Popular verse of scripture. And then I'll read one verse in Luke and then we'll take off. Are you there? The Bible says, then God said, let us make man, let us, us, make man in our image, according to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him male and female he created them then god blessed them and said to them be fruitful and multiply fill the earth and subdue it have dominion over the fish of the sea the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth luke chapter 18 and verse number one luke 18 and verse one remember genesis 1 26 says then god said let us make man luke 18 and one the bible says then he he being Jesus, spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose hearts. Then he spoke a parable to them. The, New, the King James Version says to the end that men always ought to pray and not lose hearts. Thank you, Father, for your word. Amen. Can I go on? Can I preach? I can teach now. Okay. So the... the, the <laughs> when you read the Bible, when you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, um, they're all written with a different intent. Same stories, but a different intent. So the writer of Matthew, who is Matthew the Apostle, the disciple of Jesus Christ, he writes with the intent to portray Jesus as a king. All right? As a king. Um, as a king of the Jews, actually, to be specific, Mark writes to portray Jesus as a servant. And because he's a servant, you don't find any genealogies in the book of Mark because servants are not that important. Um, and you would always find straightway immediately in the book of Mark to say that he was moving, always doing something. The book of Luke, though, is written to show or portray Jesus as a man, as a man. And so in the book of Luke, you see um, things that speak to the humanity of Jesus. And the book of John was written to portray Jesus as God. And that's why you, that whole thing about in the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was with God. That's in the book of John. All right. So in the book of Luke chapter 18 and verse number one, the Bible says that Jesus spoke a parable to the end that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Men always ought to pray and not lose heart. So I want us to take that little sentence and understand why that's important to us so today i'm talking about why you must pray capital i mean emphasis on must must pray is because when jesus walked the earth one of the things that was notable about him was his prayer life and I'm so notable that even his disciples came to him at a point and says lord teach us to pray they observed him so much so that he said lord teach us to pray and jesus said this is that's that's not a response to what jesus to, to the question but in a different you know, 
sin, Jesus says to them that men always ought to pray. Keep in mind, men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Almost every word in that sentence is a sermon in itself. Men always ought to pray and not lose heart. But when you go to Genesis chapter 1, I'll tell you why that's important coming from Jesus. The Bible says that God said, let us make man in our own image. Us being the Trinity, the plurality of God. All right? So the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, Elohim is the creation. That tells you that Jesus was there at the creation. He was there when the original idea, the concept of mankind was conceived. He was there. He says, let us. So imagine that we are having a conference. If I say, let us, we are making a joint decision. Even though the Trinity, every decision is a joint decision because there are three but one. All right? And he was there and he said, the reason why we are making man is in our image so that man might have dominion over the earth and over this and over that, over that, blah, blah, blah. And so when Jesus comes to us and says that men, men, sorry, gender neutral, okay, mankind, humankind, all right, always ought to pray and not lose heart, that is extremely important because it's not a suggestion, okay? He was there when man was created and he understands from his vantage point coming to the earth that we, the Godhead, designed man to function as a praying being. Okay? So when he says man ought always to pray not to faint, it's not a suggestion. So for example, if I'm an engineer, how many engineers are in the house? Wave at me. If you're an engineer and you design a car, for example, just to make, let's make it simple. You design a car, you conceive the, the cars, the idea of the car, you design the engine and you build a car. And you tell people that this car ought always to be filled with gasoline and not diesel. That's not a suggestion. I hope you know that. Does that make sense? That is a, if you don't do, if you, if you say, well, I don't like that idea, I prefer gasoline or whatever, I prefer diesel, and you put diesel in that engine, it's going to be a problem. That vehicle is not going to function the way it was designed to function. So therefore, when Jesus, Jesus, not Paul, not Peter, Jesus says that humankind ought always to pray and not faint, it's not a suggestion. He's saying that when we formed mankind, when we created mankind, we created mankind as a praying being. And the way you are designed to function is by prayer. Anything else, you will malfunction. Anything else, you will not function optimally. And so it's not a suggestion it is a statement of, it's a command by way of advice. You know what I mean? Because God is very loving and he says, you ought always to pray. But really, you ought to pray all the time. And so you see the life of Jesus when he comes to the earth as a man. How prayerful he was. How he lived a life of prayer. You would understand that he knew something about the way man was built that other people did not know. And what he knew, he revealed to us in Luke 18 and verse 1 when he says that men always not sometimes, always ought to pray and not lose heart. The Greek word for man is a word called anthropos, and really that word means a faced being that's always looking up. All right? So you were designed to constantly look up unto God, to constantly be in prayer. So you ought always to pray. And if you don't pray, what happens is that you end up what? Losing heart. Men always ought to pray and not lose heart. When they come to Jesus and they ask him, 
teach us to pray. He gives them this prayer, the Lord's Prayer. How many of you remember the Lord's Prayer? Come on. Yeah, you remember the Lord's Prayer? Matthew 6. All right, let's go into the Lord's Prayer for a second. Remember that man ought always to pray and not lose heart. And the good thing about this parable in Luke 18, by the way, is the fact that in most of the parables of Jesus, um, he gives them a parable and then they go figure it out. Or most times they're actually confused. <laughs> and then they come back to him and say, what did that parable mean? And he gives them an explanation. But in this particular parable, it's so important that he puts the intent up front and says that the reason why I'm going to tell you this parable, I'm not going into the parable today, is so that you can be convinced that you and I, if, you're, if you are a man or a woman, you're human, you always ought to pray and not lose heart. Not an advice. Remember that. It's not an advice. That's how you were designed to function. If you're not praying, you're putting gasoline or gas oil in your diesel engine. I mean, that's going to be a problem for you. The Lord's Prayer. The Bible says that Jesus responded to the question, teach us to pray. In this manner, this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Okay. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us this day, not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil for amen. So let's open up the Lord's Prayer um, in a way that I have never opened it up before. Um, definitely it's new to me. So Jesus said this is how we pray. So I'll give you 10 extensive definitions of prayer. All right from the Lord's Prayer, 10. Because when we say, what is prayer? What do we say prayer is? We say prayer is communication with God. That's not applicable in any way, shape, or form. You're just a new Christian. You've just met the Lord from, you know, you've come out, you've come out of the world. You've now found yourself in church. And someone says to you, what is prayer? And you say prayer is communication with God. What does that mean? That's not applicable at all. And that's one of the problems of the church is that we give people things that don't help them. Actually, things that confuse them the most, right? So, what is prayer? Ten extensive definitions. So, yes, prayer is communication with God. Let's keep that at the center here. But I'm talking about extensive definitions of prayer. The first definition of prayer is that prayer is communication with the Father. I know you say, what's the difference? There's a difference. It's the Father, okay? Our Father, our Father. What happens to you as soon as you become a Christian is that you receive something called the spirit of adoption through which we cry out, Abba, Father. Romans 8, 15, from 14 to 16. And because the moment you give your heart to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you, one of the things he's doing inside of you is that he's creating that desire for the Father. Not, not a Father, but the Father. And prayer is one way, the way, through which you can communicate with that Father. Make sense? Yeah. So it is the mechanism that God has put in place for you to be able to communicate with the Father. Prayer is communication with the Father. Number two definition, who art in heaven. Prayer is an application through which you in the earth can communicate with the heavens. I say that again. It's an application through which you on the earth can communicate with the heavens. Give you an example. There are people in Asia right now, China. Let's use Korea. Korea. North Korea. Okay. If you're speaking right now, here, they can't hear you. Most of us, 
Some of us, maybe they can't, but they can't hear you. There is a technology that has been put in place for you to be able to communicate with people who are across continents or in other parts of the world as you. And that's called the telephone. So if you want to talk to someone in Korea, not North Korea, obviously, um, maybe South Korea, you pick up the phone and call, you can talk to someone in North Korea because the technology exists. Same way how you are on the earth today. You don't live in heaven. And the only way that you can communicate with heaven is through prayer. Does that make sense? Yeah. So prayer is a mechanism by which you on the earth can communicate with heaven. With heaven. Very, very important. And that's important to you. You're like, why, should I, why would I want to talk to heaven? Well, because that's your home country. All right? That's your home country. You came from God. The Bible says that God created man in his own image and then he formed man. So you've always existed in the mind of God. You came from there. You need to be able to communicate with your home office or your headquarters, whatever you want to call it. That's what prayer helps you to do. Who art in heaven? The third thing that prayer is, by definition, is that prayer is a way of worship and adoration to God. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Um, you, you, you worship God through prayer. Prayer is a mechanism that helps you to worship God. I'm moving on to number, number four. Hallowed be the name. What next? Thy kingdom come. Prayer is the way we establish God's kingdom here on earth. All right? The kingdom of God here on earth. And that's why when Jesus came, he kept addressing the issue of the kingdom. The Bible says that the gospel of the kingdom, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of, that's what Jesus came doing. The Bible says he came teaching the gospel of the kingdom, but the only way that the kingdom of God can be established on the earth in your life is by prayer, by prayer. So what, why is this important to us? Because Without, without diving into this too far, there's an instance in the Bible where Jesus cast out a devil. And the people accuse him of casting out the devil using evil spirits. It's strange, right? You cast out an evil spirit using an evil spirit. People are so dumb. But Jesus goes on to school them. And he, says, he, en he ends up saying something um, like this. That if I cast out evil spirits by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come. So anytime that God does a work... Anything that God does, if God heals the sick, the kingdom of God has come. Okay, if God delivers the oppressed, the kingdom of God has come in some measure. Whenever a soul is saved, the kingdom of God has come in some measure. Whenever God gives you a breakthrough in your life, the kingdom of God has come in some measure. Whenever the blind, you know, blind eyes are open, the kingdom of God has come in some measure. So for you to see the kingdom of God come, you must pray. It's not optional. Jesus says, your kingdom come. And he goes on to say, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So therefore, the fifth definition of prayer is that prayer is that technology through which you transfer the will of God, which is already concluded in heaven to the earth. So concerning you, there's a will of God that is concluded concerning your life. But it's not concluded on the earth. The Bible says, forever, O Lord, your word is settled where? In heaven. In heaven. So the will of God that's already settled in heaven to transfer it or to download that will of God from the heavens to the earth, prayer is the mechanism that we must employ. Does that make sense to you? Prayer is the mechanism that you must employ to download the will of God in heaven um, to the earth. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
He goes on to say, this is the one we like the most. Give us this day our daily bread. Bread is a slang for money. Where I come from. Yeah. Some of you change it to give us this day my daily bread, like my daily money supply. And this is, this is one I don't need to talk to you about because prayer is the way that we put our needs before God. All right? The way we call the attention of the Father to our needs is prayer. And this is where we focus most of our prayer, obviously, because majority of Christians are not yet transformed. Um, and we still live a life where we are focused on our needs. But before Jesus gets to give us this day our daily bread, he's dealt with at least five issues. Major issues, by the way. All right? Give us this day our daily bread. Any need you have in your life, prayer is the way recommended by Jesus through which your needs can be met. The Bible says in James chapter 5, that is any of you suffering, let him pray. Okay? Let him pray. Give us this day our daily bread. What's the next thing after that? And what? Forgive us our trespasses. So prayer is also a way by which you obtain forgiveness from the Lord. All right? The first time you give your heart to Jesus, what you obtain is not forgiveness. What you have is remission of sins. Your sins are remitted. Every time after that, when, you know, you do something that God does not approve of, then you need forgiveness of sins. All right? When you stole your sister's shoes to go to a party without telling her, God needs to forgive your sins. When you, you know, do anything. The next thing after that is forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass us. Same thing, bucket. And lead us not into temptation. The difference here is that prayer, number eight, prayer is a way of being consecrated to God. I'll explain this one because it's important. So there's forgiveness of sins. Let's draw a line here. Imaginary line, if you have a strong imagination. Forgiveness of sins is in this bucket. Things you've already done. Things you did last week. Things some of you did this morning. On the other side of this line are the things that you will yet do. All right? And then the Bible says that you can actually use prayer to address the things that you will yet do by saying, lead us not into temptation. So that's about a consecrated life, a holy life. You can never, listen, you can never be a Christian that pleases God or lives right if you don't pray. Prayer is one way through which you can avoid temptation because Jesus says we should pray that way. Lead us not into temptation. To live a life of consecration, you can pray. Say, God, as I go out today, <laughs> lead me not into temptation, all right? Lead me not into temptation. So, forgiveness of sins on one side, consecration and holy living on the other side. All the things I'm talking about, by the way, from, the, from number one all the way down to number ten, you cannot do any of them without prayer, all right? What's that after that? Forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us our trespasses against us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the... From the evil one. The evil one. Not just evil. The evil one. So prayer is the means by which we engage spiritual warfare and get deliverance. All right? Spiritual warfare and deliverance. Prayer is the means by which we do that. Deliver us. If Jesus tells you to pray, deliver us from the evil one, you definitely need to do that. All right? So spiritual warfare, you can only engage spiritual warfare and obtain deliverance from the evil one, which is your very real enemy, because the Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking him whom he may devour. All right, he will not devour you in Jesus' name. He will not devour you in Jesus' name. Deliverance. And number 10, for thine is the kingdom. 
the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is different from worship. This is enthroning God. That means that everything I have talked about from number one to number nine, at the end of everything, prayer is a way of saying God alone owns the key. God alone has the answers. God alone is the ultimate. If he says yes, no man can say no. And it's your way of reminding him, not that he doesn't know this, he knows it, he's very secure in himself, but it's your way of reminding him that you know it too. For thine is the kingdom. In other words, the kingdom doesn't belong to the enemy. The power and the glory don't belong to the enemy. It's in your hands, O oh God, and that's why I come to you. And if you don't pray, what you're telling God in essence is that you don't believe that his is the kingdom, that his is the power, and his is the glory. It means you don't believe that he has capacity to act or influence the things that plague your life. That's why you must pray. So remember this, that men, humankind, ought always to pray and not lose heart. So, so stay with me for a second. Understand that prayer is like, in general, is like an operating system. So technical people can help me out here. An operating system is, is like the on which you build infrastructure, all right? So for example, when you buy one of these, your new fancy devices, there's an operating system on it, be it Android or you know, an iOS or something. And because the operating system is on it, that's why you can put apps on it. So all the things I've talked about, think about them as applications of prayer, all right? And before you can have all those applications, it's the baseline which we tell people that prayer is communication with God. But there are all these extensive definitions, extensive applications that, you know, forgiveness of sins and then, you know, the power and the strength to live a holy life and uh, daily bread, oh God, you know, and um, your will be done on earth. You need to use all the applications so that you can get all the benefits of prayer. But I want to stay on thy will be done on earth for two seconds. Talk about something else and we'll call it a day. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you have a Bible, open to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 7. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 7. The Bible says that, Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. Behold, I have come. You have come, all of you, from heaven, okay? In the volume of the book written of you, but the difference is here, to do your will, O God. So, one of the things that got me here was I started to think, and I don't know if you've ever thought about this before. Let me know if you've thought about it by raise of hands. I started to think, what was Jesus praying about? Have you ever wondered... That Jesus was born of a virgin, never sinned, anointed without measure, and he would pray so much. The Bible actually says that sometimes he would go out to pray and he would continue all night in prayer. Can you, have you ever thought about what, what did Jesus pray about? Has it ever crossed your mind? Some of you are like, mm, I don't know. What did Jesus pray about? Do you think he was praying for um, the next day's supply of food? Think of, no, I'm just nod your head if you agree or disagree. I can't see your faces. Okay. Do you think he was praying about the anointing? 
Maybe God will give him more power. Think about it. Was he? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. Jesus was a guy that turned water to wine. I don't think he needed anointing. He was okay. I don't know. I, I started to wonder, what was he praying about? How can you pray all night? What were you saying? To begin with, what is he saying to God, his father? This is someone who at every point was so in tune with the father. So I don't think he was praying to hear the voice of God or what's God saying about Jerusalem. Shall we evangelize? He, he was clear about his purpose. I, I feel like you can understand what a person prays about by seeing their priorities. Okay? So if, if, if you tell me right now, what is, the, what is the one pressing thing on your heart? I can guarantee you with 90% accuracy, I can tell you the, what your prayer points have been in the past week. So if, you, if what's on your heart right now is a job, like you're looking for a job, I can guarantee you that your prayer points would always have something about a job in there. Does that make sense? Is that logical? Yes? Very logical to understand. Okay. So when you, when you read the Bible, one of the things you understand about Jesus, I can see one major obsession in the life of Jesus that I can see. It's the will of the Father. Okay? The will of his Father was his obsession. In John chapter 4, verse 34, he says that what sustains me, okay, is the will of God. He says, my meat, my food, my nourishment comes from doing the will of my father and to finish his work when you read that when you read the bible you see how focused he was on the will of god being done he was he was never distracted and this seemed to be the obsession of his life so if i was to guess or assume what was he praying about it would be that the will of the father be done and the reason why this would be a prayer point that <laughs> for someone like Jesus is because the will of the Father is dependent on our cooperation. All right? The sovereignty of God does not cover the will of God just being done. There are aspects of God's will that will just be done. But the majority of things that God wants to do that will be done on earth as it is in heaven are dependent on you and I sitting here. And that's why Jesus would need to pray because something would need to happen in us for the will of God to become a reality. And in him as well. Because he was fully God, he was also fully man. And so, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven would be one of the most important prayer points you would ever pray. It says, I have come. How did I come? That there is a volume. There are books written about me. There are chapters, pages in heaven written about you. But I have come to do your will. And for some of us, we haven't even discovered the volumes to begin with. All right? We haven't even started to scratch the surface of the volumes. And Jesus says, that's how I have come. It's to do your will and nothing else, nothing else matters. And so he would stay before God for as long as he needed to until there was something that rubbed off on him that made him want to do only the will of the Father. Because we know, at least in one instance, that there was a conflict where he was not willing to do the will of the Father because the will of the Father was that he would die the way of the cross. And he's telling God, God, I don't want to do this. But he's able to prevail because he'd lived a life of prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me talk about the will of God as it pertains to your life. There are three aspects of the will of God for you. Number one, there is a will of God for you, for you, for you. 
Number two, there's a will of God through you. What God wants to do through you, not for you, but through you, through your life. Number three, there is a will of God in you. There's a will of God for what God wants to do in you. Internal. Transformative. What everybody wants, what most of us pray about, is that we want the will of God for our lives. How many of you want the will of God for your life? Okay. Very good. That's the right answer. But the will of God for your life cannot happen if he doesn't have his will done in you first. Okay? Stay with me. Don't be distracted. If the will of God is not done in you, then the will of God for you can never become a reality. Why? Because that would mean that God is moving you into something that you are not prepared for. So the things that God wants for you are great. He has all these fantastic plans for your life. He wants to do great things in your life. But one of the things that God does is that he prepares a person. And one of the ways he does that is that his will must first be done in you. And when his will is being done in you, he sees that you're faithful and you're ready. He can move you in to what he has for you and the things that he wants to do through you. So therefore, that tells me that if you want to see the will of God for you being done, then the will of God in you must be done first otherwise you cannot see the will of god for you become a reality and so jesus would stand before god all night all night and he would say your will be done on earth and on earth of course are you on earth are you guys on earth most of us good for those of you that are not on earth i pray that you come down to earth um when this is all done we're on earth. And part of this, uh, uh, you know, a, a microcosm of this expression of God's will on earth has to do with you and I. And that's the part that is most difficult because God would not take your will from you and say, this is my will. This is what would happen. So if you want something for yourself and want, God wants something else for you, most likely you would do what you want because God is not going to seize your will. If he is gracious enough, he will. But if he does that all the time, then he has withdrawn your free will. So the free will that we have is one of the biggest blessings that God has given us, but also one of the biggest curses that God has given us. Because you must be willing to lay down and say, God, your will be done in me so that I can see what you have for me and what you want to do through me. And so Jesus would stay before God all night. And I can imagine on his knees, I can imagine, imagine. And he's saying, let your will be done on earth, but let it also be done in me. Because I know that there's a will that you want to establish in my life. I have to go to the cross. If I don't go to the cross, your will for my life would not become a reality. Your will be done on earth. When you don't pray, it's the same thing as flying a plane without a GPS system. You know, when you fly a plane, I understand that pilots don't know turn left or turn right. I mean, if you don't have a GPS, you can turn left on Heron Road and go on Hunt Club. You'll find yourself somewhere. But when you fly a plane, it's, it's you, 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 are, you are pretty much at the mercy of the GPS system and the more technical terms and the air traffic control system, the people on the ground who you're talking to. So when you don't pray, you're basically flying a plane and you're not communicating with the HCCs or the air traffic controllers and you're not, you have no GPS system. You're just flying. What happens is that inevitably you crash. And the unfortunate thing is that there are destinies tied to yours. There are passengers in that plane. 
If my destiny crashes, people's lives, people's destinies are at risk. If yours crashes, people's destinies are at risk. There are passengers on that plane. And to get to your destination, you need to engage prayer. You need to be in tune. You need to be connected. You need to stay connected to the Father. Connected to heaven. Connected to your home source. So that you can navigate. I heard someone say this recently. That we are like astronauts called to explore God like astronauts go to explore space and the mechanism through which you can do this is by prayer where you can explore dimensions of God um, aspects of God so that you can see the fullness of his will for your life become a reality why must you pray to see the will of God concerning your life actualized and prayer has to go up for the majority of God's plans for you to become a reality so as you, as you get into this 21 days of prayer and fasting, by the way, it's 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's not 21 days of fasting. It's 21 days of prayer and fasting. Fasting can do you good by itself. Prayer can do you good by itself. When you combine the two, though, it's explosive. It's prayer and fasting. One of the prayer points you must realize that you need to pray is, Father, let your will be done in me, for me, and through me. Let the things that you have concluded in heaven concluded sealed and packaged in heaven for my life let them be downloaded in this season you need to engage continually that force of prayer to start to get the downloads and it's almost like when you download and your wi-fi is bad you need to strengthen the connection that's what some people you know caleb advises me to get get a better router or something and that's what prayer is and the more you pray the stronger your connection the stronger your connection the, the better your broadband. And I pray that God strengthens you in Jesus' name. Understand also about this that prayer is not easy. How many of you find prayer easy? Not a soul in here. You know why it's not easy? It's unnatural. It's unnatural to us physically. So I'll give you an analogy. For those of you who, I don't know how many of you are old enough to remember this where, where, where i grew up where i grew up not you guys you guys grew up in buckingham palace where i grew up um back in the day there used to be a generator so there's a generator somewhere there that's giving us power by the way there used to be a particular kind of generator i remember our very first generator at home um had this kind of mechanism just understand this you would have it has like a, a handle um almost like the pedals of a bicycle but something you can hold. And you would have to, you will roll and whine and whine very hard. I mean, you, you go, you keep going mechanically. And then at some point, you tap something. And then it continues to roll of its own accord. It, it takes, you know, it's also, you get, mm, 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 pop. Then it goes, pop, 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 pop. And you're like, ah. I remember when my dad used to try to teach me how to turn on the generator those days. I used to have like five tries. I would go, oh, 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 pa nothing do it again and that's what prayer is like it's, it's it's like when you start out praying you start out mechanically everybody don't think that there's anybody that just shows up before god and they're just in the spirits you can just pray for five hours no no there's nobody like that you start out mechanically you don't feel like praying so i'm telling you a secret now um as we go into 21 days of prayer and fasting i promise you every day you want to pray you're not going to feel like praying so you just show up then you start the mechanical aspect. You start winding it. So you just start praying, Father, thank you. I just bless you. Just stay there. Stay on that mechanical aspect. But there is a place where it switches. 
to the grace of God, God's enablement, okay? It's called the quickening of the spirit. And then you realize, oh, okay, it's not that bad. I've been praying for 30 minutes. That's what you need to know. But people think that because I show up before God and I want to pray and I try five minutes and it's just so, uh, I'm just, I don't feel like I'm repeating myself. I've said everything I want to say. It's not very interesting. It's boring. I feel like sleeping. Oh, I remember that there's a movie that I was watching. I let, let me go conclude. No, no, no. You stay with it. You stick with it until it transfers from potential energy, whatever, to kinetic, until something takes over the mechanism from you and you can pray. And that's how it happens all the time. Whenever I start praying, anytime, it's hard. I'm just like, oh God, oh God, oh God. Father, 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 Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Uh, all the names of God. When I call all the names of God, at some point, the quickening comes. Then you can go off. You must stay until the quickening comes. You must stay. Until the, because the Bible says that the Spirit quickens you. He quickens you. He quickens you. And He's looking for your commitment. Once, you, <laughs> once He sees that you are committed to praying, He will quicken you. He will quicken you. And as He does that, you can stay there. And then you need to tell yourself, okay, I need to go do something else now. That's how it works. Don't think there's an anointing for prayer. There is, there is no anointing for prayer. You, everybody starts out winding that generator. And then God flips that switch for you. And then it goes... For these 21 days, you need to make up your mind. I will pray. I will what? I will pray. It's our hashtag. I will, I will pray. Whatever it costs me, I will pray. So fix time in your calendar. You must pray. Don't forget I said the reason why we have this conversation was you understand why you must. Because Jesus said that men always ought to pray. When you function without prayer, you are going to malfunction. You were never designed to be a, a prayerless being. You are a faced creature with your face turned towards God in heaven. Have I spoken to you at all? Have I spoken to you at all? My prayer. Now, I said all this to say this to the intents, okay? That the spirit of intercession and supplication will be upon you. That a grace, that when you, when you show up before God, the Holy Spirit will be waiting for you right there to quicken you. All right, so that you don't have to do it mechanically. There's nothing as frustrating as trying to pray mechanically. It's really frustrating, trust me. Because then you, you just, <laughs> you get tired. And, if, and as a matter of fact, when you're praying mechanically, you're, 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 you're praying at like 10% capacity. When the Spirit quickens you, because the Bible says you don't even know what to pray for as you ought. But the Spirit of God helps your weakness. Okay, He gives you what to say. Make up your mind. Block time. Say this every day for 21 days. I will pray for, if you're doing 15 minutes right now, say I will do 30 minutes. If you're doing 30, say I'll do one hour. The second hashtag is for, for us this, this season is stretch. What I say? Stretch yourself. If you've been doing 30 minutes, move it to one hour. Make up your mind. If you do one hour, move it to two hours. And I told you already all the applications of prayer. Let the will of God in me be done. Because I feel like we, we want to see God do everything he has for us. And he has great plans for you. But God is saying, you're not ready. I have not had my will done in you. You can't see my will for you. The good news about all this is this. When you read your Bible, you understand that prayer releases angels. Okay? Because we cannot see into the realm of the Spirit... We assume that when we pray, nothing happens. You couldn't be more wrong. 
you couldn't be more wrong. When you pray, angels move. You might not see what you were looking for, but angels move. Every time you pray, there is a movement beyond the physical that happens. So while it seems like nothing is happening, I guarantee you that something is happening. We see examples in the book of Daniel. We see examples in the house of Cornelius. We see examples in the life of Jesus praying. And the Bible says an angel comes and strengthens him. Jesus says to us at one point, he says, I can pray now and my father will respond by sending legions of angels to save me. So pray. 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 I will pray and you need to stretch. Bow your heads with me for two seconds. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe to our podcast channel. If you want to be a blessing to others, share the message. To stay connected, download our app and follow us on Instagram at Lighthouse Church Ottawa. We love you.